Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The Magi saw the star indicating the birth of Jesus. So they embarked on a long journey to worship the Christ child, and so that they can also, through their worship, offer him gifts. First, they stop into Jerusalem to ask where this newborn king would be. For surely the king ruling over that country would know where the newborn king is living. But Herod did not know, nor had Herod heard anything about this newborn king, but he did know who that he could ask. He assembled the chief priests and the scribes and inquired of them where this child was to be born. These men, the chief priests and the scribes, knew the words of the prophet Micah that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. And, of course, this also matches the promise that God gave to David that the Messiah would be of the house and lineage of David, who was also from Bethlehem. So the Magi are directed to go to that little town of Bethlehem. Herod claims he also wants to now worship Jesus, and so he instructs the Magi to let him know exactly where Jesus is staying in Bethlehem. The Magi then travel that short distance from Jerusalem to Bethlehem into that small town, which, is, which means house of bread, the star that they had seen earlier when they began their travels has now rested over the house where Jesus is now living. No longer in a stable, no longer sleeping in a feeding trough. So, seeing this star, they know that this is where Jesus is now located. Seeing the star fills them with joy, for they now knew that they had found the baby Jesus. I wonder, what about everybody else? Surely there were astronomers who noticed the star. Surely there were people who spent their evenings outside and also noticed this star. What about them? What was the reason for so few people noticing this star and coming to worship Jesus? I suppose some of the modern-day Bible critics would use this as yet another explanation for their false belief. They may say, see, this proves it. There was no star since almost nobody noticed. But you may know that that is no proof at all. It is simply a logical fallacy of trying to make an argument from silence. I think the better reason is that which was described by the prophet Isaiah and also is described later in Matthew, Matthew chapter 2, and that is there was much darkness over the land. And I'm not talking about the night darkness, but instead that spiritual darkness, how the people were dwelling in darkness, but now through Christ, they have come to see a great light. 
At Christmas, we heard John's gospel saying, The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet, the world did not know him. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, it is no question that we live in distressing and troubling times. Many people have grown dull and thoughtless and cold. Many have rejected the truth of the gospel outright. Others have rejected repentance, and so they remain in their various sins, thereby forfeiting the gospel. Many sins are now celebrated and extolled as being good. There is much evil all around us. There is much darkness, but this should not surprise us. Even though God raised up many prophets in the Old Testament to direct the hearts and minds of the people toward the coming Messiah, there was no prophet in the Old Testament who did not suffer persecution. Even though the people had the written word in the temple with all of its sacrifices going on, many now were asleep, failing to see the signs of the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. God had chosen in his wisdom the lowly shepherds to come to worship Jesus, along with Simeon and Anna in Jerusalem awaiting for him and now these magi to worship Jesus. They were foretold of old by these kings coming to offer him gifts, but most of the people did not know or care. Now, in our days of great distress, it is tempting to join the world to con who, who continue to not know the gospel or care about the saving word of Christ. It is easy to figure that since so many live comfortable lives apart from the gospel, that we too could forego the gospel. I once talked to a lifelong devout Lutheran who was troubled by a couple of things at her church due to things that were being said of her. And her family counseled her with worldly wisdom. They said, well, if you would stop going to church, then you wouldn't have to put up with what those people are saying. That is exactly the kind of darkness Satan would like for all people. He wants us to lose sight of the saving gospel, the great light that has risen among us and return into darkness Satan even tries to twist this darkness into light, saying your eyes will be opened and you will be enlightened if you just listen to other brilliant perspectives out, out there that are outside of the Bible and the church. The devil continues with his lie that he first told Eve, did God really say, let me shed some light on this for you? And then, like lemmings, mankind follows after Satan's dark deception, all the while thinking that they have entered into the light. It is a sad reality to watch so many return to the lies and the darkness of false belief. It is sad to see so many people sit in darkness. We know far more people who sit in darkness than we would like to admit. We want to think that by virtue of knowing them, our neighbors, our family, and our friends have all got to be Christians who are on the path toward everlasting salvation. 
But that simply is not reality, nor what the scriptures teach. For salvation awaits those who believe in Jesus, who actually trust in him, and who plead guilty of all sin, laying it at the foot of the cross, their sin, as they confess their sin, recognizing that Jesus truly absolves them of all that they have done amiss. The Magi, these men clearly believed in Jesus. Now, while some of the prophecies spoke figuratively of them as being kings, we do not know if they were truly kings or exactly who they were, other than they are described as these magoi in Greek, where we say magi, or our translation says wise men. The faith of these magi is seen by their works. They knew the prophecy of a star would announce the birth of Jesus, indicating that they knew that they took time in the word of God. They looked for the coming of the Messiah, indicating that they had hoped in him. They traveled countless miles to worship Jesus, indicating that they knew that nothing is more important in this life than to be in the presence of their Savior. They fell down before Jesus, even though he looked like an ordinary baby, indicating that they knew who to worship, how to worship, and even to worship when it just seems all too ordinary. They offered Jesus gifts, indicating that they are good stewards and knew that God would be with them. They listened to, to God who warned them not to return to Herod, indicating that they will listen to God rather than men and that they will submit to the Lord over any authority on earth. Such excellent and fine examples of faith for us. While darkness was covering the earth, the light has come and the glory of the Lord has arisen, as we heard from the prophet Isaiah. And now foreigners have come to offer Jesus these gifts as he had prophesied. This is why we call Epiphany the Gentile Christmas. In fact, as the church year developed, Epiphany was celebrated in, in an earlier time than before Christmas came onto the calendar. And Epiphany and Christmas have always been viewed as pretty much the same celebration. So by observing the Epiphany of our Lord, we are also continuing the celebration of Christmas even though those 12 days of Christmas ended yesterday. And now we can see that Jesus has also come, not just for the, the children of Abraham, the descendants of Abraham, the Jews, but that Jesus has also come for the Gentiles, for those of us who cannot trace their ancestry back to Abraham. And thanks be to God for that that Jesus has come to be the Savior of the nations, that this gospel is not just for a certain people group, but for all nations. For Jesus is and has come to be the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the entire world. And that Jesus now lives and reigns in heaven where there are saints from all tribes, peoples, nations, and tongues sitting before him before the Lamb and his throne. 
Even though God establishes government, we simply cannot accept whatever governments say and do as if they have the gospel truth. Herod lied when he told the Magi that he wanted to also worship Jesus. Herod was a ruthless man, and he wanted to see to it that anyone who calls himself king would be dead. And then when he realized that the Magi did not go back to tell Herod where Jesus is now located, Herod directed his soldiers to kill all the boys who are two and under living in the vicinity of Bethlehem, for Herod wanted nothing more than to eliminate a little tiny baby who is called a king. Also, Isaiah lived during very dark times. Most of the kings ruling the promised land in Isaiah's day were wicked. Yet the light of the gospel was being proclaimed, especially through those faithful prophets like Isaiah. And even though our government has enacted laws which contradict God's word, we rejoice that the light of the gospel is far from extinguished in our own land. Laws opposing or allowing no-fault divorce and laws redefining marriage are certainly opposed to God's word. Others in government mock the biblical teaching that Jesus is the only way towards salvation. In Isaiah's, in Isaiah's day, there still was hope. The prophecy that the virgin will conceive and bear a son was proclaimed by Isaiah. The prophecy that Jesus would be as a lamb led to the slaughter to take away the sin of the world was proclaimed by Isaiah. The hope of all people was born in Herod's day under a ruthless tyrant. And as we live in these latter days filled with much spiritual darkness, we cling to the saving word of the gospel, which brings us true joy and peace in believing. Our hope, our confidence is in Christ Jesus. And so we support the proclamation of the gospel generously. Even if most of our own countrymen are unwilling to gather in God's house, we still come and worship the newborn king. By doing so, we are not putting on a stubborn show reverting to Victorian-era ethics or enslaving ourselves to antiquated and ancient writings. Instead, we are listening to God who made the heavens and the earth, the God who sent his only begotten Son into the world, the God who redeemed us by laying down his life for us on the cross, the God who truly loves us, who hears our prayers, who saves us, the God who opens heaven to us. It is nothing but sheer mercy for the Almighty God to come into this world to take away our sins and bear our sins in his own body, dying in our place on the cross. And it is nothing but sheer mercy for God to continue to come to us today through that pure proclamation of the word and through the sacraments. How can we not but want to gather in his house to hear his word and receive his gifts? Such joy and blessings we have in Christ. And so we come and worship. We worship our Lord and Savior. Let me now close by repeating these words spoken by our Savior in the Sermon on the Mount. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, 
and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Amen. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.